Welcome listeners, but take heed. We will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. So join us now, but be aware. We have a tendency to swear. We'll dial it back a little bit. But frankly, we don't give a shit. Welcome to Just Keep Rolling, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. I'm Ellen, and this is Katie. I'm Katie, and this is Ellen. I'm Ellen, and this is Katie. I'm Katie, and let's just keep rolling. It's probably best. Right into the rolling rehash. Last week, we discussed Chapter 12, the Polyjuice Potion, and the corresponding film scenes. Dumbledore's blatant foreshadowing adds fuel to the fire as Fox goes up in flames. Bannister cupcakes are less suspicious than floating cupcakes, but still probably shouldn't be eaten. Jamie being Ron being Crab equals Rab, and Josh being Harry being Goyle equals Hoyle. In a surprising twist, Draco isn't actually the biggest dick at Hogwarts. And Hermione pussies out, but Ron is distracted by her tail. During episode 30, her brow guy... Our Potter pondering was, in the book, Harry and Ron take on Goyle and Crabbe's voices, but in the movie, they still sound like themselves. Which do you prefer, and why? In general, it seems like most people preferred the book, but felt like the movie kept their voices the same to make it easier to tell who was who, and for the comedic effect it had. Yeah, Dave said, that's not how it happened in the movie. But reading it in the book, one can easily know slash see in their imagination that it's still the trio, but they sound like who they turned into. We can keep that straight in our heads. Watching a movie, if they sound like who they turned into, it would seem that those other actors were saying their lines and it would just be weird. It would break the suspension of disbelief because we'd have to break just following the story to remind ourselves that it's really them inside and not actually the other characters. Carly thinks that them actually sounding like them makes more sense to her. They are changing their entire body to be someone else's, so their vocal cords would be included in that. Yeah, our Nick Fury Mike agrees with that, saying that it makes more sense to have their voice boxes change with everything else. Jackson thinks that they should have stuck to the book version and done Crab and Goyle's voices. We still would have known who was who just by their behavior. Crab, Ron or as we like to call him, Rab, clenches his knuckles when Malfoy insults the Weasleys, so it's not hard. Justin thinks they dumbed it down for the audience, so apparently they just didn't have that kind of faith in us to keep it straight. (laughs) Max specifically commented on the humor of it, saying, I don't really mind in Chamber, but the effect it has in Deathly Hallows Part 1 with Fleur and the twins making remarks is so much funnier with their own voices. Wow, we're identical. (laughs) Which we will definitely talk more about later on. Much, much later on. (laughs) Robert also said he likes the book version, but he doesn't see the movies as canon because there are plenty of changes. And he has a headcanon that in the movies, as smart as she is, Hermione in Chamber wasn't as adept at advanced potion making as Barty Jr. So that's why their voices don't change and his does. That's a good one. I'd buy that. Thanks for all your input, Keepers. Once again, these are some great thoughts and ideas. And that'll bring us to our trivia question from last week, which was, how many people does Lockhart say have sent him Valentine's Day cards so far? Lockhart hashtag humble bragged his thanks to 46 people who sent him Valentine's Day cards so far. 
Congratulations goes to Max, who wasn't willing to merely settle for the British win this week and found himself awake at 4 a.m. in order to be the first one to answer the trivia question. This was actually quite impressive. He was so on it that he was able to answer the question before Podbean even posted the episode onto our Facebook page. He actually answered it before the episode showed up on my own Podbean app. Yeah, he must have been on Podbean's website just waiting for it to pop up or something. He said he took Quincy's advice. Considering that Quincy still holds our longest running streak, he's a good one to take advice from. Mm -hmm. He hasn't been around to answer the questions as much himself, though. He's blaming it on starting back in at work, but Dave wants it known that he thinks it's because there's more competition now. (laughs) I have a feeling he'll get back in the mix if someone else starts to close in on his streak. I think so, too. But he does say that he will always be the first. But again, fantastic job, Max. I'm quite impressed with your quick response and can't wait to see how you do this week. And how all of our keepers who participated in our Potterheads A History Trivia Edition do. For now, let's just keep rolling into Chapter 13, The Very Secret Diary and the Corresponding Film Scenes. Chapter 13, The Very Secret Diary. Hermione stays in the hospital for several weeks, and everyone thinks that she has also been attacked. Harry and Ron visit her every evening and bring her homework when the new term starts back up. She wonders if they have any new leads, which they don't. Ron had been so sure it was Malfoy. Harry notices a get well card from Lockhart, and Ron is disgusted to realize she sleeps with it under her pillow. Before Hermione has to respond, Madame Pomfrey shows up with her medicine and the boys head out. On their way back to the common room, they hear an angry outburst from Filch about water all over the place. A door slams and they peek around the corner to see water flooding the spot where Mrs. Norris was attacked. They can hear Moaning Myrtle wailing and decide to go see what is upsetting her. She's in her usual stall, crying louder and harder than ever, and when Harry asks her what's up, She wants to know if they've come to throw something else at her. Harry wants to know why he would throw something at her, and she says she doesn't know. She was just minding her own business, and someone threw a book at her. Harry points out that it can't hurt since it would go right through her, but that just upsets her more. She shrieks, Let's all throw books at Myrtle since she can't feel it. Ten points if you can get it through her stomach. Fifty points if it goes through her head. Harry asks who threw it, and she says that she doesn't know, and gestures over to it. Under the sink lay a small, thin book with a shabby black cover. Harry starts to pick it up, but Ron stops him, saying it could be dangerous. Harry laughs, wondering how a book could be dangerous, and Ron tells him about everyone who read Sonnets of a Sorcerer speaking in limericks for the rest of their lives, and a witch in Bath who had a book that you could never stop reading. Harry gets the point, but decides to risk it anyways and picks up the book, realizing it is a 50-year-old diary. On the first page, he can just make out the name T.M. Riddle, and Ron recognizes it as someone who got an award for special services to the school 50 years ago, because he had had a slug attack all over it and had to polish it about 50 times. Harry flips through the wet pages and is disappointed because they are completely blank. Ron says, it's not much use, and lowers his voice to add, 50 points if you can get it through Myrtle's nose, but Harry decides to keep it anyways. 
When Hermione gets to leave the hospital wing, Harry shows her the diary and she thinks it may have hidden powers. Ron thinks that they are very well hidden and wonders why Harry doesn't just chuck it. Harry really wants to know why someone did chuck it and wants to know how Riddle got his award for special services to Hogwarts too. Ron thinks it could be anything like 30 OWLs, saving a teacher from the giant squid, or murdering Moaning Myrtle. But both Harry and Hermione think it could have something to do with the Chamber of Secrets. Ron points out that nothing is written in the diary, and Hermione thinks it might be invisible ink, tapping it with her wand and saying a parasium. When nothing happens, she pulls a revealer out of her bag and rubs it over January the 1st. Again, nothing happens. Ron is sure that Riddle got a diary and could never be bothered to write in it, but Harry still can't bring himself to throw it away. They do some research on Riddle to learn that he has also received a medal for magical merit and was head boy. The sun is starting to shine again and the mood around Hogwarts is growing more hopeful as there have not been any more attacks since Justin and nearly headless Nick. Plus, the mandrakes were maturing nicely, and soon they'd be able to cut them up and stew them to cure the petrified victims. But Ernie still thinks that Harry is guilty, and Peeves isn't helping by popping up in crowded corridors singing, Oh Potter, you rotter, now with a matching dance routine. Lockhart seems to think that he single-handedly stopped the attacks, since it was only a matter of time before he caught the attacker anyways. He decides that the school needs a morale booster, and come the morning of February 14th, Harry arrives in the Great Hall to find it covered in pink flowers. Lockhart is wearing matching pink robes and wishes everyone a happy Valentine's Day, thanking the 46 people who have sent him cards so far. He says the surprise doesn't end here and claps his hands. A dozen dwarfs dressed like cupids enter and Lockhart explains that they will be there to deliver Valentines throughout the day. He also suggests asking Professor Snape how to whip up a love potion and Professor Flitwick about entrancing enchantments, though neither of them look pleased with the idea. The dwarfs interrupt classes all day, and later that afternoon, one catches up with Harry in front of his classmates and a bunch of first years, including Ginny Weasley. Harry tries to escape, but the dwarf grabs his bag and rips it, trying to hold Harry in place. His belongings spill everywhere, and his ink bottle smashes over all of it. Malfoy shows up, and Harry starts trying to stuff everything back in his bag and get away before he hears his musical valentine. He tries to make a run for it, but the dwarf tackles him and begins singing. Harry is mortified, and as Percy tries to break up the crowd, Malfoy finds the diary and starts taunting Harry with it. Jenny looks from Harry to the diary, looking terrified, and as Percy is trying to get Malfoy to return the diary, Harry pulls out his wand and says, Expelliarmus. The diary shoots from Malfoy's hand, and Ron catches it. Percy says he has to report Harry for doing magic in the corridors, but Harry doesn't care since he got one over on Malfoy, who is looking furious. He yells spitefully after Jenny that he didn't think Potter liked her valentine. Ron pulls out his own wand, but Harry stops him and drags him off to Charms. It is there that he notices that while all of his other books are drenched in scarlet ink, the diary is perfectly clean. That night, Harry heads to bed before everyone else so he can examine Riddle's diary again. He pulls out some new ink and drips them on the first page. The ink blot sits for a second, then vanishes as if it is being sucked into the page. He writes, 
My name is Harry Potter, and the words disappear, then reappear, this time saying, Hello, Harry Potter, my name is Tom Riddle. How did you come by my diary? Those words also disappear, and Harry writes out that someone tried to flush it. He and Tom Riddle write back and forth, and Harry asks him about the Chamber of Secrets. Riddle knows all about it, saying that he caught the person who opened it, but was given an award and told to keep it a secret. But he knew it could happen again because the monster still lived, and the one with the power to release it was not imprisoned. Harry wants to know who it was, and Riddle says that he can show him. The pages turn on their own to a picture-like miniature television screen on June the 13th. Harry looks through it and finds himself tumbling through the opening. He feels himself land on solid ground and finds himself in Dumbledore's office, but with a different wizard sitting at the desk. Harry apologizes, but soon realizes that the old wizard can't hear him, and he must be little more than a phantom 50 years in the past. There is a knock at the door, and the old wizard says, Enter. A 16-year-old Tom Riddle enters, looking nervous, says, You wanted to see me, Professor Dippet? They have a conversation about how Riddle wishes to stay at Hogwarts for the summer rather than returning to the Muggle orphanage he lives in during the holidays. Dippet is sympathetic and says that they may have made special arrangements for him, but with all the attacks that have been happening, it would be foolish, especially since the girl just died. Riddle wonders if he could if the culprit was caught, and Dippet asks if he knows anything about the attacks. Riddle quickly says, no, sir, but Harry is certain it's the same kind of no that he gave Dumbledore. Dippet dismisses Tom, who hurries off through an empty castle, until running into a 50 years younger Dumbledore in the entrance hall. Dumbledore asks what he's doing wandering around so late, and Riddle explains that he'd been to see the headmaster. Dumbledore sends him off to bed and says goodnight. After he is out of sight, Riddle heads straight down towards the dungeons and through a passage where he stops by a door and waits. Eventually, Harry hears something move beyond the door and then a familiar hoarse whisper. Tom jumps out and confronts Rubius, a large boy who's trying to coax something into a very large box. Rubius asks what Tom is doing down there and Riddle tells him that it's all over and he's going to have to turn him in because they are talking about closing down the school if the attacks don't stop. He says that he doesn't think he meant to kill anyone, but monsters don't make good pets. The large boy blocks the door and insists that it never killed no one, but Riddle draws out his wand and forces the door open, knocking the boy out of the way. A large hairy body with a tangle of black legs, many eyes, and razor-sharp pincers scuttles through the door. Before Riddle can attack it, the huge boy leaps on him, yelling no, and allowing it to escape. Harry feels the scene whirl again and falls through the darkness, landing on his bed in the dormitory. Ron enters, wonders what's up, and Harry says, it was Hagrid, Ron. Hagrid opened the Chamber of Secrets 50 years ago. The movie starts out with a stormy scene of the castle, then transitions to Harry and Ron walking up the stairs. Ron wants to know if Harry has spoken to Hermione, and he says that she should be out of hospital in a few days when she stops coughing up furballs. As they reach the landing, they see a large puddle of water, and, wondering what it is, they step through it and follow it to a corridor, where Harry realizes that Moaning Myrtle must have flooded the bathroom again. They enter her bathroom, where all of the faucets are running, and Myrtle is sitting up in a large round window and wailing. When she sees Harry and Ron, she asks if they have come to throw something else at her. Harry wants to know why he'd throw something at her, and she says she doesn't know, 
She was just minding her own business and someone thought it was funny to throw a book at her. Ron speaks up, saying that it can't hurt if someone throws something at her. It'll just go right through her. Myrtle doesn't like this and flies up to Ron, saying, Sure, let's all throw books at Myrtle, because she can't feel it. As she says, Ten points if you get it through her stomach. She puts her arm through Ron's torso, and then through his head as she says, Fifty points if it goes through her head. Ron looks alarmed, and Harry asks who threw it at her. Myrtle explains that she didn't see them. She was just sitting on the U-bend, thinking about death, and it fell through the top of her head. She floats off wailing once more, and Harry picks up a wet black book from the floor, shaking off some of the water. The scene shifts to Harry alone in the Gryffindor common room. He flips through the book, which is now dry, and we see that it is a diary. On the back of the diary, it says Tom Marvolo Riddle, but it is otherwise blank. Harry opens up some ink, picks up a quill, dipping it in the ink. As he prepares to write in the diary, a drop of the ink lands on the page and fades into it, disappearing completely. Harry looks surprised and touches the page and flips it over, looking at the back, but the ink is gone. He re-dips the quill and writes, My name is Harry Potter. The words disappear and then reappear, saying, Hello, Harry Potter. My name is Tom Riddle. Those words disappear as well, and Harry writes... Do you know anything about the Chamber of Secrets? They fade and are replaced with one word, yes. Harry writes again, asking, can you tell me, and receives a no in response. Harry sits back frustrated, but then more words appear, saying, but I can show you. Let me take you back 50 years ago. The pages of the diary begin flipping on their own, and 13th June appears in the top corner. Harry picks up the diary, looking a bit confused as light starts to stream from the binding. It spreads out, engulfing Harry until he disappears and the book falls back to the table. The light transitions Harry into a Hogwarts corridor. He walks forward and sees a handsome teenage boy standing on the stairs looking up. Harry says hello, asks what is happening, and if he is Tom Riddle. The boy doesn't even look in Harry's direction. Then several adults are walking down the stairs carrying a stretcher. A girl's arm hangs out from under a sheet as they walk past, and a voice calls out, Riddle? Both Harry and Tom look towards Professor Dumbledore, who beckons Tom forward and tells him that it is not wise to be wandering around so late. Tom says that he had to see for himself if the rumors are true, and Dumbledore confirms that they are. Tom asks if the ones about the school are true as well, since he doesn't have a home to go to if they close Hogwarts, and Dumbledore says that Headmaster Dippet may not have a choice. Tom wonders if the person responsible was caught, and Dumbledore asks if there is something he wishes to tell him. Riddle says, no sir, nothing, and though Dumbledore doesn't appear to believe him, he dismisses him. Riddle says good night and heads up the stairs. Harry follows him through a corridor and down some stairs to a closed door. Riddle pulls out his wand, opens the door, and greets Hagrid, who drops the lid on a chest and turns around, startled. Riddle says he's going to have to turn him in. As he is saying he doesn't think he meant to kill anyone, a young Hagrid says, You can't. You don't understand. Riddle says that the dead girl's parents will be there tomorrow, and the least Hogwarts can do is make sure the thing that killed their daughter is slaughtered. Hagrid insists that it wasn't him, that Aragog killed no one. Riddle says that monsters don't make good pets, and asks him to stand aside. Hagrid refuses, and Riddle says, System Aperio, hitting the chest with a spell. The chest flies open, revealing a large spider. As it scuttles out of the door, 
Riddle says Arania Exime, but misses and the spider escapes, Hagrid calling after it. He tries to follow, but Riddle stops him, telling him they will have his wand for this. Harry reaches out and calls Hagrid's name, but starts gliding backwards. The door closes on Hagrid and Riddle as Harry yells and the light returns, sending Harry back through the diary to his seat in the Gryffindor common room. This section didn't really change a lot, but the movie did streamline the shit out of it by removing the middle part of the chapter. A lot of it was just some added flavor to the story, but there was some fairly important foreshadowing that got left out. Yeah, they start out a little differently from one another, though it gets the same basic point across. In the movie, we got the shot of Hogwarts Castle in a lightning storm. Then it cuts to Harry and Ron heading up the stairs, talking about Hermione being in the hospital wing until she stops coughing up furballs. The book actually talks about them visiting her every evening, and about one visit in particular, when they discuss if they have any new leads, and to Ron's disgust, Harry sees that Hermione has been sleeping with a get well card from Lockhart under her pillow. Hermione is spared any further conversation about it because Madame Pomfrey comes over with her medicine, and the boys are likely shooed out at this point. Knowing Madame Pomfrey, yeah, that checks out. <laughs> They're on their way back to their common room, but are instead distracted by an outburst of filches. And it's like they can't even help their nosy little selves. They just go to investigate why he's so upset, once again finding a giant puddle of water in the corridor outside Moaning Myrtle's bathroom. Because the last time they were in that situation, it went really well. Right? The movie completely streamlined this part, attaching it to the scene of Harry and Ron discussing Hermione's hairball problem. They reach the landing and see the puddle of water. Harry wonders, what's this? Chicken noodle soup, obviously. What the fuck does it look like, Harry? <laughs> but true to form, they investigate, following the water back to Moaning Myrtle's bathroom, where they brilliantly deduct that it looks like Moaning Myrtle's flooded the bathroom. Well, I'd hope so, else that ankle-deep sewage you're wading through just got a whole lot grosser. Ew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In both, they decided to meddle and find out why Myrtle's so upset. These scenes stay fairly true to one another, but there are some minor differences. For one, the movie shows the boys enter and all of the faucets running, causing the flooding. The book doesn't specify where the water actually comes from. Yeah, could be the faucets, it could be Moaning Myrtle fucking with the toilets. I prefer the faucets, personally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's far less gross. Mm-hmm. Another difference is that in the book, Moaning Myrtle is bawling in her usual stall. Harry calls out to her to ask what's wrong. But the movie has her sitting up in a window, not in a stall. But from this point, the conversation is pretty much the same. Myrtle asks if they have come to throw something else at her, and Harry wants to know why he would do that. Myrtle doesn't know why. She was just minding her own business and someone thought it would be funny to throw a book at her. There's another minor change here as well, as for once the movie had Ron steal someone else's line. What? Right? <laughs> because in the book, it's Harry who mentions it not hurting, since it would go right through her. But the movie has Ron say it. Oh, sure, give Ron the line that makes him sound like a dick. Well, I mean, he can kind of be a dick. Eh. So that wasn't really out of character for him. But he then takes the brunt of Moaning Myrtle's distress about having something thrown at her, the fact that she can't actually feel it, and so it doesn't hurt. 
The movie also adds a bit of extra drama for this, having Myrtle punch her hand through Ron's torso and head as she's saying her bit about 10 points if it goes through her stomach, 50 points if it goes through her head! Which is otherwise word for word from the book. Mm -hmm. Though reading it in the book made me feel like it hurt her feelings more than it angered her. I actually feel really bad for Myrtle here. Like, because all jokes aside, she actually makes a really good point. Just because she can't feel it, it doesn't make throwing things at her any less mean. Yeah, it's very insensitive. Mm-hmm. In both, Harry asks if she saw who threw it, but she says she was just sitting on the toilet. U-bend, as she calls it. Yes, the U-bend. Thinking about death, and it fell through the top of her head. So she didn't see anything. In the movie, she just starts wailing again and floats off, and Harry goes to pick up the diary. The book has her gesture to the diary, and as Harry makes to pick it up, Ron warns him that books can sometimes be dangerous, and mentions a book called Sonnets of a Sorcerer that makes anyone who reads it speak in limericks for the rest of their lives, and another book that you can never stop reading. Also known as Harry Potter and Chamber of Secrets. (laughs) (laughs) Harry Potter and the anything. Yeah. Also known as Harry Potter. Yes. Which, in addition to being some fun color, also offers some foreshadowing that didn't make it into the film. Right? Dangerous books. Mm Mm-hmm. But Harry decides to pick up the book anyways. He figures out that it's a 50-year-old diary belonging to T.M. Riddle and is disappointed to learn that there's nothing written in it. Ron recognizes the name T.M. Riddle from the award for special services to the school that he had the slug attack all over during his detention. Which we talked about previously, because the movie completely omitted his detention. Though it does get mentioned in a deleted scene that would go after this part. Yeah, but then Ron has one of those moments where he's kind of a dick and tells Harry that since it's blank, he doesn't need the diary and 50 points if he can get it through Moaning Myrtle's nose. Okay, yeah, he's kind of a dick. I'm just saying. Mm Mm-hmm. Then, at this point in the book, Hermione is able to leave the hospital wing and Harry shows her the diary. She thinks it might have hidden powers and tries to spell a parasium on it to make it reveal its secrets. When that doesn't work, she pulls out a red eraser-like thing, calls it a revealer, and rubs it all over the first page. And nothing continues to be revealed. This is sort of like what happens in the deleted scene I mentioned, except it doesn't take place when Hermione gets to leave the hospital wing. Harry and Ron go and visit her in the hospital and show her the diary. And you know what? Fuck them for not keeping this one in, since it was finally a moment where Ron knew something Hermione didn't. Oh yeah, because this is when he mentions seeing the name on the trophy he had the slug attack on. Yeah, and the only time that Ron's detention would have actually been mentioned in the film. Right? Did you notice that he actually said he kept burping up the slugs on the trophy? I mean... I know that was how the book described it, but movie Ron was well beyond burping slugs. Yeah, it was more like digestive pyrotechnics. (laughs) Right? Ew. (laughs) (laughs) But regardless, this scene actually sets up some pretty important things to the story that just get left out otherwise. So there's another reason why they shouldn't have cut it out. Yeah, this is where Hermione makes the connection to Riddle's diary being 50 years old and the Chamber of Secrets being previously opened 50 years ago. She realizes that Tom Riddle would have been at Hogwarts when the chamber was opened and thinks that he may have written about it in the diary. Harry points out that the only problem with that is there's nothing written in the diary. The scene does run parallel to the scene in the book 
where Hermione's trying to get the diary to magically reveal its contents. But another difference between the two is that it's Ron who points out nothing is in the diary. But of course they gave Harry that line because heaven forbid they let Ron look smart. Look like a dick? Sure. Look smart? Nope. Exactly. So because Harry wanted to know why Tom Riddle got that award, in the book, Ron made the joke that it could have been for anything. He could have gotten 30 OWLs or saved a teacher from the giant squid or killed Moaning Myrtle and that would have done everyone a favor. Awkward. Holy fuck. (laughs) Holy fuck. Was that like, you think he's just joking and then later on you're like, damn you, Ron, you were right. I think this is why some people had that theory that Ron was actually a seer for the longest time. Yeah, that's definitely part of it. Mm -hmm. The book mentions that they do the research on Tom Riddle and all they can learn is that he received a Magical Merit Award and was a head boy. Ron says he sounds like Percy and was probably top of his class too, but he says it in a way that makes a slightly hurt Hermione say, you say that like it's a bad thing. Yeah, that wasn't in the movie, even in a deleted scene. It just cuts from Harry picking up the diary and shaking off the water in the bathroom to him sitting in the common room with it. Which not only slightly changes how that scene happens in the book, it also cuts out a fairly big chunk of the middle of the chapter, where we learn that there haven't been any new attacks and the sun has started shining again and people are starting to feel hopeful. Of course, Ernie still blames Harry, saying he gave himself away at the dueling club. And Peeves has choreographed a dance routine to go along with his Potter You Rotter song and enjoys performing it in crowded corridors. Which I still miss. Hmm. Yeah. Plus, we get more of Lockhart's appendixing, as he's overheard telling Professor McGonagall that he thinks the chamber has been locked for good and the culprit must have known it was only a matter of time before he caught him. Yes, I'm sure that's how that works exactly. Mm Mm-hmm. Clearly. (laughs) Lockhart also decides that everyone needs a morale booster and sets up this ridiculous Valentine's Day surprise that involves a lot of lurid pink flowers, matching pink robes, and singing Valentine dwarfs dressed like cupids. God, that sounds like my hell. He thinks the 46 people who have so far sent him Valentine's. Oh, which was our trivia question. Yep. And suggests asking Professor Snape about how to whip up a love potion. Oh, no, that sounds like my hell. <laughs> I don't blame you. It does specifically say in the book that Snape looks like the first person who asks him about love potions will be force-fed poison. I don't blame him. Lockhart also embarrasses Professor Flitwick by saying he knows more about entrancing enchantments than any wizard he's ever met, the sly old dog. But then the teachers have to deal with the dwarfs dressed like cupids interrupting their classes with singing valentines all day. And as a teacher, that would be my hell. Yeah, sounds all around miserable, no lie. Then a dwarf catches up with Harry, who's absolutely mortified and tries to escape before receiving a singing valentine in front of a bunch of first years, including Ginny Weasley. The dwarf grabs his bag and ends up tearing it, causing Harry's stuff to spill out and his ink to break over all of it. To make matters worse, Malfoy shows up just in time to hear, 
His eyes are as green as a fresh pickled toad. His hair is as dark as a blackboard. I wish he was mine. He's really divine. The hero who conquered the Dark Lord. And there's Harry's hell. Yeah. (laughs) Harry just wishes he could disappear. He's scrambling around trying to gather all his things when Malfoy finds the diary and starts taunting him about it. And this section has one little sentence that doesn't seem like it means much of anything, but could give away so much. Mm-hmm. Ginny was staring from the diary to Harry, looking terrified. Yeah, I remember reading that the first time and just thinking that she was concerned that Malfoy got his hands on Harry's diary. Same here. Mm-hmm. But as we will learn, there's quite a bit more to it. Then Harry gets to one-up Malfoy by using Expelliarmus to send the diary flying out of his hand. Ron catches it, and a bitter Malfoy tells Jenny that he didn't think Potter liked his valentine. Poor Jenny. <laughs> Malfoy's such a dick. Right? Ron pulls out his wand to attack Malfoy, but Harry stops him since Ron doesn't need to spend all of Charms burping up slugs. <laughs> Callback. <laughs> <laughs> right? He drags him to class, and once they get there, he realizes that out of all of his belongings, the diary is the only thing that isn't completely covered in ink, even though it should be. It's actually perfectly clean. This is what gives him the idea to start writing in it. Instead of the movie, which just has him sit down and, you know, start writing in it, and doesn't give any kind of explanation as to how he decided that would work. I already mentioned that the book and the movie have this scene slightly different from one another. Harry decides to go to bed early, partially to avoid Fred and George singing his eyes are as green as a fresh pickled toad, (laughs) and also so he can have some privacy further examining his diary. So the book has this happening in his dorm room, not the common room. The movie also has a fairly random deleted scene where Harry gets sassy with a ghost reading in the Gryffindor common room as he was trying to figure out the diary. Which didn't even remotely happen in the book. Mm -mm. I'm not sure why they even bothered with that one at all. Also, like, he asked the ghost for privacy, and then he goes on to dictate every goddamn word he writes, like no one who just wanders in the common room could hear him. Yeah, I think that's just a movie thing. People reading what they're writing out loud so the audience doesn't have to actually read it. Or if they can't. I mean, it is a kid's movie. There is that, I guess. But they didn't have him saying riddles lines, but whatever. Yeah, I've always found it annoying. Mm -hmm. In the book, Harry gets out a new bottle of ink and deliberately drips them onto one of the pages to see what happens. It soaks into the page and vanishes completely, leading Harry to write out a sentence introducing himself. This is basically what happens in the movie, too, though it seems a little more like an accident that the ink drips onto the page. Yeah. Then in both, his My Name is Harry Potter disappears into the page, reappearing, saying, Hello, Harry Potter. My name is Tom Riddle. For real, I love the Tom Riddle font. Right? Mm -hmm. Maybe his award for services to the school was for his calligraphy skills. Could be. I spelled skills with a Z. Did you notice that? Yeah, I caught that. I was trying to ignore it, but I caught it. Mm -hmm. Calligraphy skills. (laughs) Just roll on, would you? The book and the movie get the same point across during Tom and Harry's written conversation, but the movie definitely streamlines it. In the book, Tom wants to know how Harry got his diary, 
and Harry gets several lengthy responses from Tom about how he recorded his memory in ways more lasting than ink. And the terrible things that were happening at Hogwarts. This prompts Harry to ask about the Chamber of Secrets and get another very long response about it. Yeah, the movie has Harry jump straight from learning he is Tom Riddle to asking about the Chamber of Secrets. Which would kind of make sense if they had left in the deleted scene in the hospital where Hermione theorizes that Riddle might have been there. But without that scene, it's just super random. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. But then, no lengthy response for Harry. When he asks if he knows anything about the chamber, Riddle just says, Yes. Can you tell me? No. Thanks for the help. (laughs) Then Harry just throws down his quill, all frustrated. But then Riddle adds, But I can show you. Let me take you back 50 years. In the book, after Riddle writes about the Chamber of Secrets being opened and a girl dying, Harry asks who did it. And Riddle responds by saying, I can show you. But in both, the diary turns to June 13th all by itself and basically sucks Harry into it. The book describes a picture like a mini TV screen that he looks through before basically falling through it in a swirl of colors and shadows and landing in Dumbledore's office. In the movie, a light starts to spread from the binding of the book and eventually engulfs Harry. He disappears with it, leaving the diary closed on the table, and reappears in a corridor in Hogwarts. You can tell he's supposed to be in the past, because they made everything but him in black and white. Yeah, it has a really warm, grayish tone Mm -hmm. that gives a neat visual with Harry still in color. I like how they did that, even though they did change it up from the book, since Harry isn't in Dumbledore's office, which we also learn isn't yet his office because a different old wizard is sitting at the desk. There's a knock at the door, and he beckons in a handsome 16-year-old Tom Riddle, and we learn that the old wizard is Professor Dippet. The movie leaves Professor Dippet out in all but a mention of his name. Harry walks through the corridor and sees a handsome boy, seriously, Tom Riddle ain't too bad, Mm -hmm. standing on the stairs, looking up. Harry tries to speak to him, but is completely ignored. Then several adult witches and wizards are carrying a stretcher down the stairs, and we get a glimpse of a girl's lifeless arm hanging out from under a sheet. Someone says, Riddle? And both Harry and the boy turn to see Dumbledore. Who doesn't look anywhere near 50 years younger. Not even a little bit. Plus, Harry sees him and says, Dumbledore? Like, no shit that's Dumbledore, Harry. Not just some wizard who just happens to look exactly like present-day Dumbledore. Yeah, the conversation that Riddle has with Dumbledore in the movie is fairly similar to the conversation that Riddle has with Dippet in the book. It certainly gets some of the same points across. Though in the book, Dippet wants to meet with Riddle specifically because Riddle had requested being allowed to stay at Hogwarts over the summer, rather than going back to the Muggle Orphanage. Dippet said that arrangements might have been made for him, but not with the way things were currently going at Hogwarts. In the movie, there's no mention of staying at Hogwarts for the summer. Dumbledore wants to know why Riddle is out of bed, and he says that he just needed to see for himself if the rumors were true, and asks if they will really close Hogwarts since he doesn't have a home to go to. Maybe. Just a thought. You should have thought about that before you started doing this shit, Tom. Spoilers! Right. Ah, I shouldn't have said that. (laughs) 
Riddle wonders if it would help if the person responsible was caught and the attack stopped. Dumbledore wants to know if there is anything he wishes to tell him. Which is similar to the book, though it is Dippet who asks that, not Dumbledore. Mm -hmm. Though I do love the parallel of it to Dumbledore asking Harry that earlier, especially since in the book Harry notes that Riddle's no sounds exactly like the no that he gave Professor Dumbledore. (laughs) The no that clearly means yes, and a Dumbledore that clearly doesn't believe Riddle either. He dismisses him, and Riddle heads off to see to the thing that he didn't wish to tell Dumbledore about. Or, in the book, Dippet clearly didn't believe Riddle, he dismisses him, and Riddle heads off to see to the thing that he didn't wish to tell Dippet about. Though, at this point, he does run into Dumbledore in the entrance hall, It's more of a it's-not-safe conversation rather than the way the movie had it, since that was all with Dippet instead. Yeah, just easier to streamline it that way. But in both, he is heading off to see to his secret business, with Harry following close behind. They end up down in the dungeons and stop at a door, where Riddle pulls out his wand before opening it. In the book, it isn't so immediate. It almost reads a bit more like a stakeout. Until they hear something behind the door. Riddle jumps out and confronts Rubius, who is trying to cook something into a box. For those of you who are paying attention at home, you already know exactly who Rubius is, but I still like the fact that they used his first name so as not to spell it out completely. Yeah, in the movie, he just flat out confronts Hagrid, who doesn't look remotely like a 13-year-old. Oh god, not even a little bit like a 13-year-old. Mm-mm. I mean, I get that he needs to be huge for a 13-year-old, but shaving his beard and keeping him in shadows did not provide any mystery as to who he was or make him look any younger. Mm -mm. In the book, Rubius asks what Tom is doing there, and Riddle answers that it's all over. He's going to have to turn him in because they're talking about closing down the school. In the movie, he just launches right into saying he's going to have to turn him in. In both, he mentions that he doesn't think he meant it to kill anyone, and that monsters don't make good pets. And of course, Rubius is insisting that it's a mistake, and he never killed no one. In the movie, he specifically calls him Aragog. We haven't actually learned its name in the book yet, but Rubius is standing in front of the door, trying to prevent Riddle from getting to his pet monster. Riddle uses his wand to open the door, and it knocks Rubius aside. The movie has a bit more dialogue, where Riddle says that the dead girl's parents will be there tomorrow, and the least Hogwarts can do is make sure that the thing that killed their daughter is slaughtered. Daughter and slaughtered kind of rhymes, and for some reason that bothers the shit out of me. Like, she was not slaughtered on a boat, she was not slaughtered by a goat, she was not slaughtered with a shoe, she was slaughtered in the loo. (laughs) (laughs) Or... She was not slaughtered in a van, she was slaughtered in the can. Not with a wand, not with a stake. She was slaughtered with a snake. (laughs) She could not, should not look in its eyes. That was not, was not very wise. She's now a ghost that haunts the loo. And makes it hard for you to poo! (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Seuss ain't got nothing on you. You too. This is still rhyming, are we through? It seems like something we should do. I don't know. Can you stop? I mean, you started the rhyming. It's true. Stop that rhyming now. I mean it. Anybody want a peanut? (laughs) Let's just keep rolling. 
In the movie, Riddle says, System Aperio, and the chest flies open, allowing a big-ass spider to escape and scurry off before Riddle can hit it with Arania Exime. Again, they do a good job with the spells, since System Aperio basically translates to open box, and Arania Exime is basically like, I lay aside the spider. (laughs) But neither spells are actually mentioned in the book, though Riddle does try to attack the spider. It gets away before he can, because Rubius dives on him, yelling, No! (laughs) Then Harry falls and is sucked back through the darkness, landing on his bed. Ron enters and wonders what's up, and the chapter ends on Harry declaring, It was Hagrid, Ron. Hagrid opened the Chamber of Secrets 50 years ago. This was also the first time Hagrid's name was mentioned in the whole scene, and like I said, I prefer that. Yeah, the movie ends a bit differently, with Riddle blocking Hagrid from running after Aragog, telling him they'll have his wand for this. Harry starts to glide backward, yelling out Hagrid's name, before the diary basically spits him back into his chair in the common room. He just sits there and says, Whoa. Like Keanu Reeves, you know. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely preferred the way the book chapter ended this section over the movie. There is a deleted scene where Harry wakes up Ron to tell him about Hagrid opening the chamber 50 years ago. Yeah, even if they left that in, I don't think it would have made the same impact since we knew it was Hagrid the entire time since Riddle kept calling him Hagrid. Mm -hmm. It spelled it out too much for my liking. I wish they had called him Rubius. I mean, I know we already know that's Hagrid's first name, but since we really only hear it the one time back in the beginning of the first book, it's not necessarily fresh on your mind when you hear Riddle say Rubius. So Harry's, it was Hagrid, held more of an oh shit moment for me. That way. Yeah, I see what you're saying. However, now we finally know why Hagrid was expelled in his third year. Even though the movie barely made a thing out of it when the book mentioned it a couple of times to keep it fresh. Well, yeah. But this will bring us to the section where we talk about the new actors. The only one we have for this scene, of course, is Christian Coulson as Tom Riddle. Homer Simpson drool. Yeah. (laughs) He's pretty much exactly how I imagine Tom Riddle. Just handsome and charming and handsome. Mm -hmm. And did I mention handsome? He's also pretty goddamn good looking, if I do say so myself. Oh, he's fucking fine. (laughs) I mean, I know, I, we'll talk more about him later, obviously, but, like, I was kind of upset they replaced him later on, you know? Yeah, I know. They should have like, kept him. there was this Tom Riddle, and then they brought in the other Tom Riddle, and you're just like, ew, what'd you do? <laughs> like, no offense to the other Tom Riddle, but he wasn't as charming. Yeah, he, the other Tom Riddle did a great job. Mm-hmm. His line delivery was fantastic, but he was nowhere near as good looking. Yeah, and he wasn't like, I liked Christian Coulson as Tom Riddle, and you're supposed to like him. He's supposed to be likable. Right. You know? Right. Whereas the kid they got to replace him was just creepy. Like, there was something, he was, it was good acting, it was just... Well, he didn't have the same like, good looking, charming qualities that let Riddle get away with all of the shit that he got away with that he shouldn't have been able to. Yeah. Because dude was evil as fuck, but people didn't see it right away because he's so pretty. Which goes to show ya. And Christian Coulson is so pretty. Pretty can get you a lot of places, man. Pretty can get you far. (laughs) Unfortunately. sure can. That's life. It got Christian Coulson this role. It did. Unfortunately, it didn't get him to keep it, but... (laughs) 
I don't know why he's still pretty as fuck. Right? I see pictures of him from when they were filming the later movies. And I'm like, he looks the same. Why not just use him? Like, And, and they have a 30-something-year-old playing a teenage girl. Like, why the <laughs> fuck couldn't they have kept him in that role? Seriously? So it's okay for Moaning Myrtle, but not... Right. I also don't like inconsistencies like that. I don't like it when they have to change actors. Yeah. That's one of the things that I so. that I like the most about Harry Potter is they kept so many of the same actors. Richard Harris, they would have kept him playing Dumbledore the whole time had he not passed away, unfortunately. But Right. You know, so I like I would have loved but, to see that too. Yeah, agreed. But yeah. But anyway, Christian so, Colson. Oh. Tom Riddle. Four thumbs up over here. <laughs> Those are my two thumbs I, and your two no, thumbs. I, I, I was just I, I, gotcha. I was assuming you were with me here. Obli, I am. Thumbs up. Who's got two thumbs and is loving some Christian Coulson? This gal. Right here. And that could apply to me as well. Who's got four thumbs and is loving some Christian Coulson? Just keep rolling. These gals. Right here. Yep. And let's just keep rolling. Let's roll right into our Potter pondering this week. In honor of Harry's awkward singing Valentine, Sonnets of a Sorcerer, and our own Susicle section, this week we just want you to create your own Harry Potter-related rhyme. Yes. Let's see some limericks. So be creative. You don't have to do limericks. You could just do like a, a classic ABAB or ABCB or however you want to rhyme it. Bonus points for a rhyming haiku, because I love a good haiku, but, you know. It's not mandatory. It's not mandatory. Just, even if you just give us a sentence that happens to have two rhyming words in it, we will accept that. Really well. But we put some effort into writing our poems for you, so we'd love to hear we what did. she can throw back at us. <laughs> Check out our Facebook page for the post. Mm-hmm. And that will bring us to our Sorting Hat story this week, which is from one of our trivia answers with a bit of a streak going for a while there, Sam Jane. Sam writes, my wand is ebony wood with a phoenix feather core, 12 and a half with unbending flexibility. My Patronus is a snowy owl. I'm a proud Gryffindor, even though most of my friends think I'm a Ravenclaw because of my wit and wisdom. But as Dumbledore said, it is our choices that define who we are. I came across online sorting quizzes pretty late. So before that, I tried to figure out my house myself. I just thought about various situations that arose in daily life and some moral dilemmas and thought about what I will do when faced with such situations. I still remember one of those which our teacher gave us. You see a man robbing a bank and a few people inside it. You know he's doing it to get money for treatment of his dying young child who is his only family. You have the chance to call the cops and get him arrested. What will you do? All of those were tough, but I figured I would be sorted into Gryffindor because those are the characteristics that define me the most. Those are the traits that I will act upon when faced with a moral dilemma. Maybe that's the reason I get Gryffindor in literally every quiz I take anywhere on the internet, and I've taken loads of sorting quizzes. Strange thing is that my friends asked me to do a couple of sorting quizzes where questions were pretty random like, make your coffee and we will sort you into your house, or select which of these actors will suit best in given roles, and we will sort you into your house. I had no idea about most of the options or the questions, so I just selected answers at random, and I didn't even know what they were exactly, and I still got Gryffindor. Guess I'm a proud Gryffindor by heart. I started watching the movies when I was four. Even though I didn't understand them fully, I really enjoyed watching them on TV. 
I actually learned they were based on a book series later when I was 11. So I started my book journey soon after that, and I loved them even more. Aw, that was sweet. Thank you so much for sharing your story, Sam. And if any of you other keepers out there listening would like us to read your Sorting Hat story on a future episode, you can email us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com. Let us know your house, wand, the wood, core, and length, how you got into Harry Potter, and anything else that you might want to share with us. And that'll bring us to this week's trivia question, which is, where did they find Petrified Hermione? The prize for the first one who responds with the correct answer and the code word hashtag freeze tag will get a bitch is a witch, motherfucker's a wizard, a just keep rolling, or a pride sticker. Another way to get a sticker is to rate and review us. If you're an Apple person, you can do it through the Apple Podcast or iTunes app. If you don't have Apple, you can write a recommendation on our Facebook page. Then email us at justkeeprolling at gmail.com to let us know you did, and we'll get back to you to figure out which sticker you want and where to send it. Don't forget to find us and follow us on Facebook at JKR Podcast and Twitter and Instagram at Just Keep Rolling. Following us on Podbean at justkeeprolling.podbean.com will get you the episode as early as possible and give you a leg up in answering the trivia question. Just ask Max. <laughs> right? If you would like to support us as a patron for extra perks, you can go to patreon.com slash justkeeprolling. As always, any support you can give is greatly appreciated and will go towards bringing Harry Potter content your way. Yep. You can check out the merch and stuff that our amazing patrons have helped us produce so far on our website, justkeeprolling.com. And join us next week when we talk about Chapter 14, Cornelius Fudge, and the corresponding film scenes. Thanks for listening. We hope you hear us again. I'm Katie. I'm Ellen. Until the next time, just keep rolling. rolling.